What's good, family? I want to welcome you again to the Power Hour, and I'm glad that you're right here with me. And we're about to worship, and we're about to get into the Word. And today we are starting off a new series, which I'm calling Cultivate. Uh, Cultivate. And I've chosen as a kickoff to our new series uh, to preach from the Song of Songs. And I want you to go with me to the Songs of Song, I mean to the Song of Songs, in the fifth chapter And I want us to consider verse 1. That's going to be the main passage, but in order to set the context clearly, I want to actually read from verse 9 of chapter 4 until verse number 1. So the text says in Song, chapter 4, verse 9, You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garment is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Right here, we have a man captivated by love. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. When you are in love, you just know how to be poetic all of a sudden. And this brother is captivated by love. But it's what he says beginning in verse 12 that I want you to pay attention to. He says, a garden locked is my sister, my bride. A spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all choices fruits. Hina with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all frankincense, myrrh and aloes with all choice spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, a flowing streams from Lebanon. Uh, Right here, what is interesting is that Solomon, who is the writer, calls the one he loves a garden. He looks at her as something that he can harvest, the choicest spices, the best fruits. He looks at her as a, as a garden to replenish him. Uh, now notice what the garden says back to Solomon in verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden, let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and enjoy its choicest fruits. In other words, his bride, who he calls the garden, is inviting him into her garden. And Solomon obliges. He agrees. And this is what we read in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. For the sake of shamanic emphasis, I want to read verse 1 again. I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. I want to preach under the topic, cultivate your garden. Cultivate your garden. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word. 
Speak to us, O oh God, because we need you to do something in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have complaints about something in your life? Your weight, your height, your sight, your money, your honey, your church, your car, your talent, your stocks, your employers, your employees, your phone, your finances, your skills, your smarts, your relationships, your friendships, your marriage, your mood. How many of you are complaining about any of these things? When people talk to you, it's about how bad it is. When people ask you how you're doing, you talk about how much money you don't have. Whenever you text people, it's about, I'm sick with this. I have this going on. I have this ain't working out. How many of you today are complaining about something in your life that's not happening? Robert Diener, the Indiana Jones of positive psychology, widely known for his research on happiness, identifies three types of complainers. They are chronic complainers, those who never ever see anything good. Everything is always wrong. And nothing is going right. Even the sun, they can complain about it. Even the air, they can com complain about it. He also talks about venters. These are the kind of people that complain about their situation for the purposes of getting other people to feel sorry for themselves. They will trash their husbands. They will trash their wives. They will trash their church. They will talk bad about the government. They will talk about how emotionally unstable they are. And not because they need somebody to help, but somebody to uh, to listen to them, for somebody to feel sorry for them, for somebody to be like, yeah, I get what's going on. Now, Mr. Diener, uh, he, he says that when people encounter uh, chronic complainers and inventors, their mood changes. They feel bad. They don't feel good about the encounter. In fact, they take on the mood of the person who has been complaining. Uh, the, the point is, uh, complaining uh, is not good. In fact, it has been discovered that uh, complaining too much affects your neurons and your brain cells. What interested me as I was reading uh, the article by uh, Mr. Diener is that he suggests that do not be a chronic complainer, do not be a venter, but rather you need to be an instrumental complainer. You see, an instrumental complainer complains for the purposes of changing a situation. In other words, they're interested in solving the situation. They, they want to see things get better. Uh, they want the family to be connected. They want their income to increase. They want to save the money. They want to improve their health. So anything that they're complaining about is for the purposes of becoming better. And in this series, I'm asking you to cultivate so that you can be an instrumental complainer. When something is going wrong in your life, when something is not up to par, when you don't like something and you're talking about it, be sure that you're moving from a place of complaining to a place of cultivating. You are changing it for the better. And so I want you to become a, an instrumental complainer. Improve your life. Improve your family. Improve your church. Improve your weight. Improve your thinking. Improve how you talk. Improve how you dress. Just don't talk about it. Just don't complain about it, but do something about it. Amen, somebody. See, the song of songs, 
uh, is the place I want to make this case to you from. Because in this uh, psalm, in this song rather, it talks about being an instrumental complainer, uh, being somebody who knows how to make a situation better. We label the song of songs as wisdom literature. So wisdom literature is found in, in Job when he is finding the wisdom to deal with the situations that he doesn't understand in his life. We find wisdom in the Psalms when David is praising God for everything in his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We find wisdom in Proverbs that helps us to understand that when you fear God, you are living a wise life. We look at Ecclesiastes, which says that wisdom is when you YOLO with God as the center of your life. Uh, we see wisdom in Lamentations when uh, this man called Jeremiah is grief-stricken and he's trying to figure out how am I going to do this? And then he says, his mercies are new every morning. In fact, when we go to the New Testament, we see wisdom in James that helps us to see that to be wise is not only hearing the word, but it's about doing the word. So, so, so watch this. Biblical wisdom is about doing something. You see, I've heard many prayer requests. And one of the prayer requests I get a lot of times is, Pastor, please pray for wisdom. And I have concluded, based upon my interactions with many of you and understanding where you're coming from with wisdom, you are trying to decide for something. Oftentimes we look at wisdom as decision making, doing something in a certain way, choosing wisely. But I want to contend with you that biblical wisdom has nothing to do with decision making as a primary focus. According to Edward M. Curtis, uh, wisdom is the ability to do something as opposed to the accumulation of information. You see, biblical wisdom describes the person who tightens their belt to save money. Biblical wisdom is the person who gets you to your destination. Biblical wisdom describes the person who skillfully handles the Bible. Biblical wisdom speaks of a person who is able to resolve conflict with a child. Biblical wisdom describes the patient who follows the regiment recommended by the doctor. Uh, the biblically wise are those who decide not to marry people who don't have the same faith as them, even if on the outside they have the same faith label. Biblical wisdom describes the person who knows how to hold their tongue when they know they can say something devastating. So I hope you can see that biblical wisdom is about doing something based upon the information that you have. And song of songs is about that. Doing something with what you know. Acting on the information that you know. Don't just process it but cultivated. And this hit me hard because I'm a processor, not a cultivator. I tend to uh, sit on information instead of standing up on the information. Are, are you feeling what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, this series is intended to ask you not to sit on the information. It's intended to ask you, uh, do something about the marriage. 
It's intended to ask you, do something about your lack of praying. It's intended to ask you, do something about your weight gain. It's intended to ask you, do something about your hand-to-mouth status. It's intended to ask you, take action in your life. Don't just process it. Don't just read books. Don't just listen to sermons. Don't just ask counsel from the pastor, uh, but rather cultivate based upon the information that you have received, cultivate based upon the books that you're reading, cultivate based upon the advice that you have received. You must cultivate your knowledge of crypto into investments. You must cultivate an I love you into a marriage. You must cultivate weight gain into weight loss. You must cultivate that 20% saving strategy into a lifetime of saving. See, Song 5 verse 1 talks about cultivating and uh, we are introduced to a cultivator in the text. And I want us to listen to him one more time because uh, he says something interesting that I want us to, to kind of relate to really well today. He says, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. The man in this text is Solomon. He is the writer of Song of Songs. And it's interesting that he, he identifies what he's cultivating. He says, I came to my garden... That is what he's cultivating. And notice what he labels this garden. My sister, my bride. Solomon identified his garden. You see, if you're going to cultivate, you need to identify your garden. Now, now Solomon identified this garden based upon his desire for love. Uh, the book of Song of Songs is a book that helps us to appreciate human love. It's not an allegorical expression of the love between God and people, as some interpreters like to label the book. But rather, the Song of Songs says, loving is important. Songs of Solomon says, a, a woman can initiate sexual intimacy with her husband. Songs of Solomon says, do not be afraid to invest your time, your resources, your energy into the person that you love. And so Solomon says, that woman is my garden. I, I will invest everything in her. I, I want her as, as mine. So Solomon has identified this woman as, as his bride. And I just want you to listen to Solomon's desire for love for this woman. And I'm picking it up in Song 4 verse 8. He says, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sania and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. Uh, Solomon loved her. Solomon wanted her. Solomon desired her. And so if you're going to identify your God and you, you need to want it, you need to desire it. What are the things today that you desire? Do you want more money? Perhaps that is your garden today, that you need to find a way to invest somewhere, to, to cultivate somewhere so that you can get more money. Are you desiring an education? 
Do you want to lose your weight? Do you want to do missionary work? So, so the desires that you have in your heart, uh, turn them into gardens beyond the desire. Amen, somebody. Because some of us are at a place of desire. We've been at a place of desire for 10 years. We've been dreaming about doing it. We've been thinking about traveling there. We've been talking about, I'm going to write this. We've been talking about, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I'm going to look like this. Desire is good, but you got to be able to move beyond desire to the place of cultivation. So whatever you desire today, make that your garden. Now, as I was looking at this, I, I, I saw that uh, some gardens are temporary. Because Solomon says, I came to my garden, my bride, my sister. Meaning that at some place in his life, he did not have the desire to get married. At some place in his life, his desire was maybe I want to be the best king that I can be. At some point, Solomon was a baby, so he wasn't thinking about a bride. He was thinking about development. He was thinking about breast milk. He was thinking about eating baby food. At some point, Solomon was a student learning about wisdom and sitting under the, the, the feet of Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, who became the wife of David. At some point, David was a little teen. Uh, so, so his focus from time to time changed. And I'd like to suggest to you that some gardens are temporary. They're only there for a particular season. We're to use them. And once we have used them, we're to go on to the next thing. Some of us are complaining today because we are using a garden that is no longer purposeful for our situation now. And it may be time for us to be able to move on to the next garden. It may be time for us to take a next step to the next stage in our life. Some of us have been in a situation too long. That is why we are crying and we're worried about it. Perhaps time is now time for us to grow and to go on to the next thing. But for Solomon to also say that I came to my sister, my bride, it, it means that some gardens are permanent. Yeah, check this now. You, you, you see, Solomon wasn't trying to marry her to divorce her. He says, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. Uh, Solomon is saying, I have found everything that I want and that I need in this particular woman. I'm not going to divorce her. Now, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he, he's not a good candidate to talk about commitment because he had so many. But even though he did not do the right thing, Solomon understood the right thing. <clears throat> even though he didn't do the right thing, Solomon understood the right thing. And is there anybody here who knows the right thing, but you're not doing the right thing, but yet God is still willing to use you like Solomon to tell us about this garden that he calls my sister, my bride. Please understand that God doesn't choose you or use you because you do everything right. Please understand that God doesn't see your faults. God sees what you can be. God always looks at where he can take you from to where you need to be. And if you feel like God can use you, I got news for you today that God can use you for great things, for awesome things. And if you're not at a place where you need to be, if you're not doing the things that you know you need to be doing, do not be sad about that. Simply go back to God and say, God, here I am. Help me. I want to do what I need to do. Amen, somebody. So Solomon understood that this garden is permanent. It's not something that I'm just going to have 
for a season and then let it go. I'm going to have to be in this for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to do this as long as I have breath in my body. So please understand that some of us are unhappy today because we are not cultivating the gardens that are permanent. We are not doing what we need to do because what God has given us for permanence, we want to get rid of it. We don't appreciate it. We don't fully understand it in the, in the sense of how God intends to bless us with it. And it's beautiful that Solomon calls his wife a garden because he's understanding that I need to continually work at this. I need to continue to do my part in this. And please understand that there are some gardens that are permanent in nature. You see, faith in Jesus is permanent. Oh, yeah. Faith in Jesus is the permanent type of God. And it is something that you have to cultivate for the rest of your life. Uh, do you think you've grown to the place you need to be? No, you haven't. If you can tell me that you've memorized every scripture in the Bible, then I, I might start to discuss and say, yeah, I think you have, you have gotten there. Uh, but please believe, I don't even know all the scriptures in the Bible. And when I read the scriptures I already know, I, I discover something new. Uh, my point is that faith in Jesus is something that is permanent. You, you have to continue to cultivate it. Uh, the faith you had in Jesus in 2021 is not suitable for 2022. You got to build on it. Amen, somebody. Uh, you got to continue to work. You got to continue to know Jesus. You got to continue to discover who he is. Uh, the Bible says that he's express image of, of God, that his wisdom is unsearchable. Do, do you get what I'm saying? It means that you cannot exhaust Jesus. And so your faith in Jesus is permanent. I want to tell you that marriage is a permanent garden. There ain't no divorce in this kind of thing. And perhaps you are thinking about this. Perhaps you're dreaming about, oh, I'll, I'll find something better. No, it's It's permanent. Uh, your health is a permanent kind of situation. And please understand that the things you are doing to your body, the, the, the habits that you're developing, they are formulating the kind of health that is going to show up when you're 60 or 80. I've heard many people told me, if I knew better when I was younger, I would have taken better care of my health. Uh, you see, stewardship is a permanent kind of thing. Oh yeah, stewardship of your time is permanent. There's never come a season when uh, you should not take care of your time. You, you need to always think, how am I using my days? Am I being productive? Am I being effective? Is it wise for me to spend uh, 10 hours watching a series when I haven't read? <laughs> I haven't read anything, not even the Bible, or let alone the newspaper. Uh, stewardship is permanent. Your, 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 your talents, uh, your, your, your treasure is permanent and God expects you to take care of it and to to know it and and and, and to to do good in it so when you have identified your God and whatever it may be based upon desire based upon understanding its tempor temporality or its permanence you need to invest in your God notice that Solomon says, my sister, my bride. Notice that he calls her a garden, uh, which means that he has invested. He has taken deliberate action. It suggests that he has taken raw materials and made it into something good. 
Because a garden is something that requires you to take the dirt. Uh, take, uh, requires you to dig in. Requires you to, to take out weeds. Uh, so that it can be what you want it to be. Yeah, uh, to, to produce a Taman Safari required deliberate action. Uh, to produce a Taman Menteng required deliberate action. And I know some of you have gardens in, 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 in the backyard and you have somebody to work the garden to take care of the flowers. It requires deliberate action. It requires you taking something raw and producing something. I hope you're picking up what I'm uh, putting down uh, because the approach of Solomon to take something raw and produce it into something beautiful is also the approach of God. You see, God does not take something already finished. God takes an unfinished product and makes it into something beautiful. I'm trying to let you know that you are a garden of God. I'm trying to let you know that God wants to bring you to the place that you are not this fallow ground. You're not this forest, but you are a beautiful garden. Amen, somebody. I know you feel imperfect. I know you have stolen again. I know you have slept with him or her again. I know you have neglected your kids. I know you have not been working as hard as you can be working. I know that you're not putting as much energy into your health as you could be putting it. I know you feel like you will never be good. I know you feel like you'll never be better. But please understand that God is interested, uh, like Solomon, to make you his garden, to cultivate you so that you can turn from sinner to saint, so that you can be reflective of his image, so that you can truly be a child of God. And please understand that God is not finished with you. Please understand God is not through with you yet. He is ready and interested in working with you. And like Solomon, he wants to say, I came to my garden, <laughs> my son, my daughter. I came to my garden, uh, that brother who was an alcoholic. I came to my garden, uh, that sister who didn't know how to say no. I came to my garden, that, that brother who was chained in, in, in a habit. I came to him and I found something good. I came to him and I ate something nice. I came to him and I enjoyed because God is interested. In making you a garden. Now, when I was working on my thesis, I had to learn to garden with raw materials. I had an advisor and every time I needed to consult my advisor for feedback, he would always ask me to read more books. He would recommend to me suggestions to fix. He would tell me to find resources. You know what I had to do? I had to take that raw information, that, that, that raw reference, those raw references, and I had to go to the library and find the books. I had to correct the corrections. I had to change what he had been advising me to change. And after writing for about nine months, I produced a thesis because I took what was raw and I, I worked with it and I produced something. And this is what I'm asking you to do. Like Solomon, you got to invest in your garden, you got to take the raw materials, you got to put your efforts and your energies into it, and you're going to produce something. God is not going to give you finished products in your life. God is going to give you things that you will need to cultivate and work on. Now, you feel what I'm saying? It's not always going to be finished and completed with God. God will, 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 will say, okay, here is a person, love them, understand them, don't try to change them, show them the love of Jesus, and grow in love. Uh, God will probably tell you, 
I know you want to know me better. So here is the Bible. It has 66 books. Please read it from Genesis Revelation and you get to know me better. God will tell you, uh, God will impress you with the desire to pray. So uh, with the desire to pray and you will have to get on your knees and start to practice the habit of prayer. And the more you pray, what's going to happen is that your anxiety is going to disappear, that your doubt is going to diminish, that your, your, your fretting and, and, and not knowing God's will is going to clear up because God is going to show you. God doesn't want you to simply develop without developing. God wants you to give you stuff in your life so that you can be everything that you need to be. And some of us do not know how to work. Some of us do not know how to improve stuff. But we need to understand that unless we learn to take the raw materials, then we cannot grow as we need to grow. We cannot be what we need to be. You see, God has, has helped me as I was thinking about this situation because God is saying to me, and he wants me to communicate this to you that you don't have to have everything completed or finished. You may not have the new vapor flies to run in, but those Nike Zooms can still work. Those Adidas can still work. You can still use those new balances and you can still cultivate running and you can cultivate health. Are you feeling what I'm saying? You may not have the 2022 MacBook, but the 2015 MacBook can still help you to garden and to cultivate a paper. You can still be able to do assignments on that computer. Are you feeling what I'm saying? You may not have the 2022 Lexus, but that 2019 Honda, oh, it still works to get you to the trips that you need to go to. What you simply need to do is to invest and cultivate and watch that garden grow. Watch it be something beautiful. People will say, wow, I never knew that you could be able to do that. I never knew that you had that ability. Now, you see, I want to help you to see how deep was the investment of Solomon in his garden that he calls my sister, my bride. And as, as I was looking at Song of Songs, I, I discovered that Solomon is interested in this woman. He, he, he's gone to, to great lengths uh, to make sure that he truly invests and cultivates this love relationship that he has with her. Uh, watch what he says in Song 4.9. You captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. Uh, notice there what he calls her. He calls her my sister, my bride. You captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride? How, how much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice? Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A spring locked, a fountain sealed. Solomon did not marry his sister. No, no, no. Was, he didn't marry his sister. Perhaps that's what you are thinking. Why is he calling her my sister, my bride? In his culture, it wasn't appropriate for a man and a woman to kiss, hug, or hold hands in public. You know, we, we are quite liberated in our days. We can hold hands, walking around. But in their culture, it was frowned upon because it was just indecent. But a brother and a sister could hug, could hold hands. That's family. So Solomon is saying, my God and my sister, my bride, he's, he's invested so much in her that she has become like a sister to him. Solomon is saying, 
you are that meaningful to me. You are that important to me that we will have such a close relationship that you never feel like you're never my family. You never feel like you're not a part of me. You, you are my sister. But on the flip side, Solomon says, <laughs> you're also my bride. Be because some of us neglect our sisters, right? We don't call our siblings. You, you feel me? Someone says, okay, so I don't want you to feel like you become my sister, like my real, real, real sister, but you also always be my bride. So you're going to be family and someone who I love. So Solomon is giving this woman everything. Somebody says, this garden deserves my everything, deserves my highest devotion. It deserves all that I can bring to the table. And so when you are investing in your garden, make sure that you're bringing everything to the table, everything that you have, everything that you are. Make sure that you put all your energies into it. And you see, I love the fact that Solomon calls his garden my sister, my bride, because it reflects the relationship Jesus wants to have with you. According to Hebrews 2 verse 13, it says, For he, Jesus, who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. Uh, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Uh, do you understand that Jesus is your sibling? Do you understand the fact that you gave your life to Jesus and accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life? You are adapted into the family. I know you might feel like you're not the best father. You, you're not the best mother. I know that sometimes temptation seems to try you. It seems to trash you. I know that there are days when you don't want to get out of bed. I know there are days when you're discouraged. I know that there are days when you don't feel like doing it. I know there are days when you feel like, what is the point of this faith anyway? But, but Jesus says, you are my brother. You are my sister. You are family. And never feel that your actions uh, de 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 destroy your place in the family and never feel that what you do is going to disqualify you from being a family member of Jesus. Uh, our family is beautiful because family will never ever let you go. Yeah, there may be seasons where you don't talk with family. There may be seasons when things are not going good, but people always know that is my family. And that's what Jesus wants us to understand to say uh, from Solomon's situation that we are his siblings. We are his. And today you can simply say, brother, yeah, I need you. Bro bro brother, I want you. And so I love Solomon's commitment to his, to his bride, to his, to his God. And this is my sister, uh, my bride. Uh, because the point that Solomon is trying to help us to understand is that he will have to continually invest in this garden. He will have to continue to cultivate. He will have to continually do his part. Because she's his sister, <laughs> she's his bride. It's continual. It, 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 never, it never ends. And I hope that you haven't allowed your garden to turn into a forest. I hope that you are cultivating it continually. I pray that you still approach your wifey as a girlfriend. And I, approach you, I hope you approach your husband as a, as a boyfriend. I pray that the courtship still continues. I pray that the kind words are still flowing. I, I pray that the sweet nothings are still sweet nothings today. Amen, somebody. I pray that you still love time of Jesus. 
I, pr- I pray that you, you desire to, to know him. I, I pray that you desire to connect and, and be in the same space with him. I pray that you still are, are joyful about, about the word of God. Hey, hey, yeah, I know you've read the text a couple times, but when you read it again, for God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his own begotten son, that makes you feel a certain kind of way. It makes you walk a little bit differently. You see, I pray that you, you, you have gotten much, much better since you have started saving. You, you haven't let it go yet. You're still cultivating. You're still working. You're still doing what you can. I hope you're still showing love to the people in your family the same way that you're supposed to be showing them love. Because the permanent gardens require that kind of cultivation. Continual. Doing it again and again and again and again and again and again. And never giving up. I'm praying that the routine you started last year, getting up early, going to sleep early, you're still doing it. Drinking that eight glasses of water, you're still doing it. It's still cultivating and investing into your health, doing it. Boom, boom, boom. Consistency every day. And that, that's what is required when you've identified a garden is for you to invest all the time. Now, when you have invested, what you do is you get to enjoy the garden. He says, Solomon enjoyed his garden because he says, I came to my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with honey. I drank my wine with milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. So so clearly right here, Solomon enjoys his garden. He says, I came. (laughs) In fact, I will, Prophet Solomon is saying, I keep coming. He says, I've gathered spices. I've, I've, I've eaten honey. I've, I've drunk wine. I've, I've invited my friends and we have drunk. <laughs> we have drunk wine. We have we enjoyed. It's, it's not only been my enjoyment because of, of, of my investment in my garden, but it's been the enjoyment of everyone around me. Amen, somebody. You see, it's, it's quite interesting that when you look at this text, if you walk with me with it, in it, uh, real carefully, you see that Solomon is using a lot of metaphors. He said, biblical metaphors work because they take an example, a concrete one, to explain a concept. So when Solomon says, I came to my God and my sister, my bride, God in there is, a, is an example, a concrete example. He's trying to explain the concept of sexuality. So actually this text is about him having sex with his wife and enjoying intimacy and closeness. And that's what he's, he's, he's explaining. This is what is, is happening. I'm, I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying my bride. And he's helping us to understand that uh, sex is, is something that should be within the context of of, of marriage. The, the Bible doesn't understand premarital sex, nor extramarital sex. It only knows this one kind of sex. And I hope I'm helping somebody right now who is questioning, should I, should I not? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Uh, Solomon is helping us to understand that it becomes worth it. You don't cheapen yourself when you keep it within the context of marriage. But this is really what Solomon is saying. Watch this now. 
I'm enjoying my garden because I'm, a pro I'm applying the right principles within the right context. <laughs> I'm enjoying my garden because I'm doing it the right way and I'm doing it at the right time. And so if you're going to enjoy your garden, whatever your garden is, you must apply the right principles and you must do it the right way. And, and please believe that there are some things that should only be done in the right way. And I've already talked about sex and that it should only be done in the context of marriage. And if you're going to try to do it any other way, it's not going to work out. I have had people tell me, Pastor, listen, I, I, I messed up. And 10 years down the line, after having children, we had to divorce because uh, us having sex before time, it just kind of affected our relationship and has messed us up. It no longer was the same. And this brother recognized and he told me this. I said, oh my goodness, this, this is something crazy. You and I need to understand that God's principles are in a, they, they must happen in a particular way. We, we must garden certain things in a particular way. And I can move away from the issue of sex. I can talk about parenting. Parenting also has right principles, right gardening principles. There's a way that you're supposed to rear your children. There's a way in which you're supposed to lead and direct them. Uh, the Bible says that raise up children in the way that they should go so that they should not uh, get away from it when they're old. And that way is always talking about leading a child in the ways of the Lord, making sure that you spend time with the child, making sure that you don't leave the schools, leave the church to educate your children, but you're right there with them. And some of us today are complaining about our kids. We're complaining about our family life because we neglected the right principles in the right context. And therefore we're not enjoying the garden that we planted. We invest a lot of money, we invest a lot of time, but we're not enjoying it as you should be. And I know there's a parent here listening to me that you're struggling to get your kids to do right. You're struggling to talk to them and, and discuss with them. Perhaps what you need to check is how are you gardening? How are you applying the principles of God in your parenting? You see, I can talk about friendships. You see, friendships also require a certain type of gardening principles. They require honesty. They require trust. They require you to sacrifice. And some of us, we are not willing to sacrifice. Some of us were not willing to be honest. And therefore, our friendships, relationships are not working out. Some of us are not, are, are not able to, to, to smile with, with our friends. We're not able to go out because every time we're there, it turns into an argument because of what happened last year, because of what we did yesterday, because of what we're doing right now. And so we're complaining about our friendships not working out simply because we're neglecting the right principles. We're not applying what the word of God is asking us to apply. You see, I can talk about building a house. I can talk about building a career. There are certain principles you got to utilize if you're truly going to enjoy the garden that you're cultivating. If you're truly going to be successful, if you're truly going to be where you need to be. And like Solomon, we should be able to say, I came to my garden. <laughs> And I came and I ate. I came and I enjoyed. I came and it was good because I applied the right principles. I did it the right way. And there are times, of course, that you do the right things. You introduce family worship in the house. You make sure you're honest with your friends. You make sure that before you build the house, you plan with the contractor. You make sure that you buy the right kind of shoes before you start the exercise regimen. There are times when you do it right and it doesn't work out. In those seasons, brother and sister, do not be sad. You can be happy knowing that you did the right way and you can leave the results up to God and he will still bless you anyway. Amen, somebody. 
Uh, do not be disturbed about what goes wrong when you have done it the right way. You can still enjoy something. God can still say about you, well done, my faithful and good servant. And so, yes, it's true in life that you do it right. You do it well, but things may not still work out the way you want it to be. And that's what Job had to learn. And that's what wisdom is about. Understanding that there are some things I never understand, but that should never take away my faith. I can still enjoy a relationship with God. I can still be in his presence. I can still enjoy a connection with him. I don't have to be, feel sad about what's going on in my life. I can still be happy knowing that I was doing the right thing and I can enjoy it that way. You see, when you cultivate well, when you, you garden well, when you do it the right way, I believe that the complaint should diminish. I believe that the venting will vanish, will vanish. I believe that you will become an instrumental complainer when you are gardening correctly, when you're doing it the right way. So, so I don't know what you need to garden today. I don't know what you need to cultivate today. Perhaps God is asking you to cultivate faith in him. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Perhaps today start, start cultivating, gardening, planting the seeds of faith and belief and trust. Perhaps God is saying today, cultivate your health. Start eating well. Start sleeping on time. Don't overwork yourself. Don't overstress yourself. But God is saying, hey, let's take care of that marriage. It's been too long. The issues are still been too, too hard. Perhaps you need to humble yourself here. You need to stop here. Perhaps that conflict with a child or a parent needs to end today. Cultivate that. Cultivate that. You're the only one who will be able to cultivate stuff, who will be able to change stuff. Don't, don't make things become a forest. What is it that you can do to make it better? What is it in your power to bring about prosperity and blessing in your life? So in this series, I'm going to challenge you to think like this, to be a cultivator, to be a gardener, to do it right, to, to invest your energy, to know what your gardens should be, and to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have learned something, we have understood something. And I'm asking you, Father, that today you would help us to go to the place that we are supposed to go to, the place of cultivation. We want to be instrumental complainers. We want to grow. Uh, we want to change things. We want to be better. Father, how to do that? We need your help. Somebody today knows a garden they have identified. They need to cultivate in. Please, Lord, help them. Somebody today needs to invest the right resources to make it happen. Uh, somebody today, Lord, simply needs to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Father, wherever we find ourselves, I ask you that you help us and guide us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your care. In Jesus' mighty name, I humbly pray. Amen. So I believe that that word did something in your heart and it spoke to you. And I just want to encourage you that you respond to it. Do not delay. God loves you more than he loves life itself. And Jesus died to prove it. And we as a ministry at Facts Alive believe that this is our mission. We want to help you to know Jesus better and to know him more clearly and to love him more dearly. The number is on the screen. Kindly text us, kindly write to us or call us and we'll be more than happy 
to help you. Perhaps you need prayer, you need encouragement, you need counseling. Please also reach out. We are available for you to help you. And if the Lord has inspired you to give and to partner with us in ministry, the number is also on the screen and you can simply give whatever the Lord has put on your heart to work and partner with us. May God bless you and take care. I will see you very soon.